your trusted source for news and analysis about Chicago White Sox prospects and player development, covering the Major League Baseball draft and international market, plus the action in Kannapolis, Winston-Salem, Birmingham, and Charlotte. This is the Future Sox Podcast with your hosts, Mike Rankin and James Fox. Welcome to another episode of the Future Sox Podcast. I'm Mike Rankin. I'm your host, James Fox, alongside us. It is us two today. We have some news to react to and promotions to react to as well. As we're getting really late into the season, as in August into September, we're looking at potential September call-ups and also those who are going to finish in AAA. The AA, single-A seasons end about a week and a half into September, but the AAA season is congruent with the Major League season, so that'll be interesting to follow. There are names that we'll talk about on this episode, but boy, we haven't had a chance to react to the major news related to the organization, something that throughout my lifetime, this is brand new territory. Kenny Williams is out. Ray Khan is out. Now there's a search going on, but is there really? James Fox, let's talk about it. First of all, your reaction, because when I saw the report, First of all, you called me to tell me what had happened, right? That was how I found out. But when you told me, my initial reaction was kind of shock based on timing and also the fact that it was Kenny leaving along with Rick. So for a moment, there was some legitimate optimism. It's just met with concern because Jerry Reinsdorf, there's no way around it. He's at the top and in charge of what will become the search. So that kind of took me back a peg because there has to be some answers to the questions that we have. But first, let's answer the first one. How was your reaction when you saw that the reports ultimately became true? So, I mean, like I called you, right? Like, so I was driving home from football practice. My phone kept buzzing and I didn't, I'm like, okay, well, what the heck's going on? You know, like whatever. So then, you know, I was at like a light or whatever and like <laughs> reading. I'm like, oh boy. So then, you know, like the light turned green and I'm like, oh, who should I call? So, you know, I sent off a couple of texts, but then I just like called you because, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Like I look, I, I've said this on other shows, I feel like uh, not not our own, but like I wasn't too terribly surprised about like the Rick Hahn part just because, you know, like when Bob Nightingale puts out an article that says Rick Hahn has one year left on his contract in it. I kind of thought that sounds like dead man walking to me because like the White Sox are so secretive about management contracts. They never, ever disclose any of that stuff. So like as soon as that was out there, I thought he was done. But the one thing that was, it's just always been weird about this whole process, right? Is that I, I feel like it was really hard to get rid of one of them. And obviously like Jerry Reinsdorf ultimately agreed, right? Because like if you keep Kenny you kind of have to like hire somebody to come in and work under Kenny. Right. But then how do you keep Rick Hahn and get rid of Kenny? It was just like the weird, weirdest thing. You know, yeah, they both needed to go. Jerry did it. I think a lot of people praised him and commended him for it because while it's kind of been a long time coming, like at least he did it. Right. And they only let White Sox fans, you know, have euphoria for 15 hours maybe until, you know, the Grim Reaper from the USA Today comes out and crushes all of our hopes and dreams. And yeah, like, and we're still, you know, we don't really know what's going to happen. But I mean, I, I think 
I don't know. Like I'm cynical, but I think we see like the way this is headed. Yeah. Speaking of Bob Nightingale reporting that Chris Getz is very highly thought of within the front office and has, I think this is my opinion, the track to the job. And based on the reports, that's what's been suggested. And I can't help but believe that that will be the case. You know, give Chris Getz a lot of credit for some uh, criticism for other stuff that has happened under his watch within the minor league uh, organization. But the reality of the situation is Jerry Reinsdorf owned businesses are insular in their hires constantly. And this should be no surprise, but I think the negative feedback to Chris Getz being the candidate relates to more of the same. And that's the feeling that maybe Sox fans are having. And others are fair to question those who who are questioning Chris Getz credibility and the fact that can he do the job? It's fair because we haven't seen him do it. Um, I will give him a lot of credit though for the way that he has Advance the structure of minor league development within the White Sox organization. That's something that I've always sung high praises related to just the development aspect. When it comes to advanced technology, the White Sox were in the Stone Age, but post-2016, prior to 2020, Chris Getz led an effort to incorporate you know, rep soda machines and just pitch tracking data and the fact that they cared about biomechanics. And within the front office, now I don't know if this is Chris Getz doing, but they hired people across the organization who are responsible for several affiliates to, you know, monitor these advanced, they were roaming instructors who would pay close attention to these things and gather the data and then implement it in terms of development. And, you know, an example is uh, when we talked to Devin DeYoung, who had been promoted previously, initially was in Arizona, and now he's sort of a roving instructor who is in charge of reacting to analytical data Gave us DJ Gladney, talked about his biomechanics. So that kind of stuff, I think, is what good organizations do. However, we, we acknowledge that the White Sox are sort of built like a small company and the front office you know, doesn't have a lot of these guys. So I wonder what the structure will be like moving forward. And without Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn at the helm, First of all, Kenny Williams being out of the organization is the first thing. It's the first time in my lifetime that the White Sox have been run without Kenny Williams making decisions. I just I'm curious about the dynamic of decision making moving forward. Now, I know that there will have to be restrictions and guidelines that the new whatever you want to call it, president of baseball ops or general manager, whoever that is at the top, they're going to have to operate within what has been Jerry Reinsdorf's idea of competing in his mind. He wants to win on his terms. So that's sort of what we're dealing with here. And there's a, there's a lot of brushback here, James, about the fact that Chris Getz could be the leader. Your take on his capability and the credibility of Getz coming into the job and doing it. And by the way, there are roster decisions being made. I have to assume it's Chris Getz doing it at this point. Just wanted to throw that out there. There's a lot of promotions being had and guys added to new affiliates and, of course, the big league roster. But just overall, there's been a lot of pushback to the idea of Chris Getz being the leader of this whole thing. Your reaction to that? Yeah, I mean, I just I think it's warranted. I just I just don't know how you could argue that Chris Getz is the most qualified person for this job. He could be great at it. Like they could hire him. It could be the best thing Jerry Reinsdorf ever did. But I mean, like that, it's not on the front end. 
right? Like, this is the opportunity for you to, like, completely reshape your franchise. And, you know, I know I've told you off air, like, the White Sox should be able to get a sitting general manager for this job if they want one. And, you know, most structures across the league are the, you know, the, the Theo Epstein model. Like, everybody's kind of overtaken that, right? Where it's, like, president of baseball ops and then, there's like a GM that's also like a super qualified dude as like the number two and the White Sox like have the opportunity to do that. And it just like, doesn't seem like that's the route they want to go because Jerry Reinsdorf is quite frankly, like lazy and insular. Like he, he has no interest in interviewing people. I don't even know if who he would get to create the list of people for him to interview. He's 87. He knows who he knows. You know, he's likely talking to Tony La Russa and Walt Jockety. And I mean, it's just like it is what it is at this point, which is why, you know, I just I kind of think that we know that like if this is Chris Getz, like it's not going to be terribly surprising at this point, just because like you, you know, you mentioned that it's like a small company. It is. It's like Larry's hardware store. Right. And it's just a little bit disheartening. And some of the stuff about Chris Getz, like, look, I don't disagree with you. Like, it, the farm system is different, right? But it's still not enough. And I think that's, like, one of the bigger problems is, like, you know, was Kenny Williams holding the White Sox back? Was Rick Hahn? Like, is Jerry Reinsdorf, like, refused to spend on the minor leagues? Like, or is Chris Getz just bad at the job? Like, I think it's, like, all these things that we're never going to know because of the way the company has been run. Like, it's just, you know, that that's where you'd love to just see the press release that announces, like, former Astros GM James Click is, like, taking over the White Sox, right? Because, like, while, look, maybe that doesn't work either, at least it's, like, different. Like, you're not firing your, your two guys who have been here for 20 years and hiring, like, one of their assistants for the job, you know? And, like, look, similar happened with the scouting director role. Um, they interviewed a couple guys from the outside and they ended up going with Mike Shirley and Mike Shirley was a good hire. So Chris Getz could be great. Like, I don't want like that to get lost on people. The fact that like, if they hire Chris Getz and he's the single decision maker, it's all, that's already would be the best part of it. Right. The fact that we're not going to sit here and constantly be like, Oh, did Kenny make that trade? Did Rick make that trade? And all of those fears, right. That, that we've had forever basically have come out like over the past week that it's like even Mm -hmm. more dysfunctional than we thought right as soon as the Miami trade happens it's like oh yeah well Berger you know all the rumors that Kenny Williams basically hated anybody that Nick Hostetler drafted so like Kenny definitely traded him and then we like found out that like Kenny did definitely trade him so that's the type of stuff where like we could quibble over whoever ultimately gets this job but I do believe that Jerry has identified that it should be like one decision maker, which is a step in the right direction. I just think we're probably all gonna, you know, mostly be in unison disagreeing with like the ultimate hire for that single decision maker. Can you just go back to what you said about Kenny sort of usurping Rick Hahn? Because boy, has that been a Dude, thing. It's insane. So like Ryan McGuffey did a great job. And look, I've seen criticism for some of these guys who have basically like emptied the notebook, right? And like, I get it. Like you work over at NBC Sports Chicago, 
there's some stuff that you're just probably not going to say on air that you would say in private, right? But I mean, Kenny just like I've always kind of joked about it, right? And like we we've kind of talked about the he'd rather sign five bad players than one good one thing, and the stay out of the White Sox business thing. But like, you know, this is a guy who was a farm director who built the 2005 World Series team. And like ever since that, like he's just so thin skinned for no reason. You know, I called like Ryan McGuffey a nobody. And like that's not fair to Ryan because he's like really good. But I mean, in the grand scheme of things, man, like you're like the executive vice president of a baseball team and like you're calling up Ryan McGuffey to tell him that you still have more influence over decisions and you don't like somebody said on TV. Come on, man. That's just like a microcosm of like everything that's been wrong for the longest time. It's just, you know, it's just nothing. But, and, and Tony LaRusso was the same way. Right. And, and I just feel like it, like these guys, like entire lives were, I guess for lack of a better term, their entire lives were like dick measuring contests. And it's just, you know, that, that stuff like came to fruition even more this week. Well, related to the burger trade, Rick Hahn was working with Kimming and Kimming, yeah. Kimming in, in Miami. And Rick had tried to pry other prospects, right? What was that story? Yeah. So supposedly like he was talking trade with her or somebody there and like, look, like I think like Tim Anderson was mentioned and Aloy Jimenez was mentioned and like, who knows, right? Like maybe they weren't getting the packages that they wanted. And I don't know what that is. Like maybe Eater was involved there too. Who knows, right? But like Rick Hahn wasn't going to trade Tim Anderson for pennies on the dollar. Well, but Kenny Williams like picked up the phone and traded Jake Berger. And supposedly those same guys on the podcast, Ryan McGuffey and Chuck Garfine, and look, they're they're with a lot of people that would know mm-hmm. these things quite often, right? Yep. They said that Rick Hahn didn't want to trade Jake Berger, but Kenny did. And Kenny, you know, was able to pick up the phone and just make any trade he wanted with the Yankees and Marlins. So see, like that part of the story, I guess, like isn't that surprising to me. Like I've always assumed that Kenny was able to do whatever he wanted. Right. Like I just like never, like I thought Rick Hahn had a vision, but like he still had a boss. Right. Yeah. And, and it's kind of like what I've always pushed back against. You know, I think now it's clear, like Rick Hahn wasn't necessarily the best at his job. Right. But he also didn't have as much authority as people thought that he did because Kenny was always floating around and like Kenny didn't want to do the day to day and he didn't want to make trades anymore. Right. But then it's the trade deadline and he gets that itch to like call around and make trades. So, you know, it's just the tired and true methodology of like a Jerry Reinsdorf organization where you just, you don't, you don't know who's in charge. He usually likes it that way because then there's nobody to blame. This time felt different. This time is different, right? Like it's a, absolute disaster they're talking about like a new stadium and also you know what i mean so like the tv deal is up soon so i don't know if like that was like the impetus for this or some people think he actually like might do this and then sell which obviously would be glorious i don't know this time seemed different this time is different because ken williams and rick Hahn for what the first time in 20 plus years like aren't at the top of the you know, the food chain for the, for the White Sox. So regardless of what they decide to do next, I mean, they stay interesting, right? We'll just have to kind of see what Jerry decides to do and then, and then kind of go from there. But 
Yeah, I mean, I would like to say that some of the stuff that's come out has been like eye opening, but I mean, for people that have paid attention, I mean, this this is kind of what it's been, I think. Yeah, I think total dysfunction when you hear just. I mean, we're not even there, but we we know is it's come out to be true. The dynamic that goes on in the decision making room. It's hard for somebody like Rick Hahn, who is front facing to the media, always has the title makes those decisions in roster building, but is not in complete control. We saw that with the hiring process of Tony La Russa. That was a ownership thing. And just an example of the Jake Berger trade, that's that's Kenny Williams. And also philosophy, you have to answer to Kenny Williams. So when we heard that both Kenny and Rick were gone, it was a little bit of a jolt to the system because then maybe things would change and we're thinking about what's next. And you hear Chris Getz and you're underwhelmed because you're afraid of more of the same. However, it could be a little different if he is the sole decision maker. Now that leads us to the next conversation. We should bring up though, the fact that uh, there was a story told to us on the future Sox podcast regarding Kenny Williams scouting Jose Abreu. And uh, he was uh, a lead in that decision to sign Jose Abreu in the international marketplace when they did. And we give credit for going out there, scouting Jose Abreu. It was actually a funny story as he watched Abreu hit BP over and over again Bray was hitting home runs and Kenny Williams just got up and left early, but that was a sign the White Sox were interested and they pulled the trigger and signed Jose Bray at the time. And it turned out to, to be a successful signing. It's too bad that it didn't work out ultimately as did a lot that had happened over the 20 plus years outside of 2005 under Kenny Williams and the tenure of course with Rick Hahn as well. I, I go back just to wrap a bow on this quickly. I go back to the 2019 off season is you're you're set. You're you're doing all of the things that you need to do to get yourself in a position to compete for multiple seasons. You have a lot of payroll flexibility. And there's a couple of holes on the roster that you can fill via free agency. Instead, like James alluded to a little bit earlier in the podcast, it's similar to the ideal of getting five players outside of signing just one really good one. And the Larry Garcia contracts come in. They trade for Nomar Mazzara instead of going for a legit bat in free agency. And when you get short change like that, you're going to see the results on the field. The philosophy has changed in terms of development and draft strategy over the last couple of seasons. We're starting to see the fruits of the labor, the development of a lot of these prospects. And we assume, I think it's safe to assume, the White Sox are going to commit internal to roster building moving forward to the guys that they had acquired via trade and also developed and drafted, signed in the international marketplace as well. I think that's what's next. And the decision-making process has to be figured out. And I think it will be Chris Getz ultimately. This is not in stone, but very strong inkling that it'll happen. Then there are other rumors to be had as well, associated with Chris Getz maybe having a, a partner or somebody like a similar structure to Kenny and Rick. It'll be Getz and blank. Now, when the first report came out, it was Dayton Moore. Dayton Moore, the former Kansas City Royals lead who, yes, built a World Series, but also built a lot of losing seasons. And look, you're under a lot of restrictions related to budget out there, but Dayton Moore does have some baggage attached to him as well. And James, I know you have information about this, and I wanted to ask you directly, how legit is Dayton Moore as a candidate for the Chicago White Sox job in the front office? 
There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, I mean, I think Dayton Moore is a candidate for jobs in general, right? Because, like, Dayton Moore's done this job. Dayton Moore, like, had a lot of success scouting and developing. He came up with the Braves, and then he ran Kansas City. And look, for years, for like a five-year period, like, Kansas City had one of the best farm systems in baseball. And then ultimately, they won a World Series. And, you know, everybody kind of liked Dayton Moore. And, yeah, there's, there's like some, you know, some weird stuff and some stuff that's kind of troubling in his in his background but I mean I kind of thought like if he was in a a scouting and developing role again that's like not really front-facing and not talking to the media it's like something that made a little bit of sense Uh, like I've heard that the Dayton Moore thing is probably not happening you know just from like somebody I trust that's told me things in the past you know kind of said like yeah the Dayton Moore thing was a little bit overblown like that's not happening so you know, so then, like, that's interesting to me, right? Because then, like, does that blow all of the Bob Nightingale reporting, you know, and kind of say that none of that was true? Like, I don't I don't really know that. But the one thing that was interesting, like, when I heard Dayton Moore, first of all, like, I assumed that Dayton Moore would be, like, the head of baseball operations and then Getz would be, like, the number two guy. But, I mean, Bob Nightingale's been on multiple shows in the last week basically saying, like, no, Getz would be the top guy and then more who had this like father-son relationship with him would like come and help him and that's kind of i've heard since then whatever like that that part's not going to happen but i mean i do think it would be a remodeled front office regardless right like if chris gets is the single decision maker with whatever title you want to give him president of baseball ops vice president like general manager whatever like he's gonna need my guess is like somebody under him as either assistant GM or GM to his president role. And then I wouldn't be surprised if there's somebody else in like, uh, you know, like a senior leadership type of role to like steward him. Right. Like I mentioned Walt Jockety earlier, like, you know, Pat Gillick, like somebody just like one of these old GMs that Jerry knows from years and years. Right. Like that part wouldn't be that surprising to me. And look, I mean, regardless, like you're going to need a new farm director because Chris Getz like would not be doing that. You need a pitching coordinator. So like there's lots of change coming regardless of who ultimately gets this job. And I do think like one one positive would be. And look, I think there's more than one positive. I just think it's easy to be uh, skeptical and underwhelmed. Right. Because it's like kind of ridiculous that you have this opportunity and like you might go internal. But I do think Chris Getz 
And hopefully the next person like lets the people in place do their jobs, right? Like we've seen Mike Shirley and some of the success that he's had in the amateur draft. And a lot of that hasn't, you know, borne fruit yet because like those guys aren't close to the majors. But then this year, you I feel like, you know, you start to get the vibe with the first round pick this year that, you know, maybe the front office had their hands in the cookie jar a little bit after Colson Montgomery and Noah Schultz, like you go back to college hitter. And maybe that's not fair. Maybe Mike Shirley loved Jacob Gonzalez, but I mean, it did just seem like, it just always seems like somebody's trying to wrestle back control, right? Whereas like if this is Chris Gatz or, you know, they surprise us and it's Preston Mattingly of the Phillies or it's, you know, James Click like we talked about. I just think like the chain of command finally is like the biggest part in all this. Like if there's one person in charge, we know who to blame when things go wrong. We know who to praise when things go right. And that's that would be the biggest change, I think. I just go back to the multiple levels of the organization having such dysfunction as James just alluded to. Somebody always trying to take over, take control. And I mean, we saw it at its most extreme when Tony La Russa entered the organization, because not only was there a lack of communication between the big league club and the front office, it was essentially a direct line to the owner as Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn doing their jobs and most likely wrestling with one another. They're also wrestling with the manager at the time and a manager who took over a roster that was put in place to win and it failed. Now that's kind of going off topic because it does stem to larger issues as well. In the past, remember for decades, it it came in cycles. Post 2005, there's sort of an ideology. Okay, it worked. We're going to continue to compete every year. We're going to draw interest in a team that was maybe good, probably not, but maybe keep them interested until July and then realize, yep, we're not very good, but we're going to still try. And that kind of led to multiple seasons, thinking back to the 2011, 2012, 2013 seasons. And in 2016, you go for it. You sign these guys. You trade Fernando Tatis Jr. for James Shields. Now, James Shields provided a lot for the organization. It's unfair to totally bet because he was not very good, right, at the time of the trade. And it made very little sense to go out and acquire a guy like that to compete with that team because the writing was on the wall. That 2016 team was not a realistic playoff contender. But that's exactly what the White Sox have been known for is kind of going for it, but not always going for it. And then when they did go for it, in that instance, they're giving up the future. And look, when you look at the history too, it just goes beyond Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams. They have not had success in the draft for 20 years. This farm system has been among the bottom of the league for so long. And when your farm system sucks, you have to make free agent signings to compete. And the White Sox did. But we never seen them spend on guys like Bryce Harper or Manny Machado. They signed Adam Dunn. They signed Adam LaRoche. You give credit for the Jose Abreu signing, absolutely. But there are so many examples of the White Sox just not doing what's necessary to win games. They want to win on Jerry's dime. And Jerry wants to win on his own terms. And that has restricted this organization in so many ways. But when you have guys who answer to Jerry and understand how Jerry operates and how they can get along by operating in the way that Jerry wants you to, then you're going to stick around for 20 plus years. And when you have such thin skin and you're threatened 
by not getting the credit that you believe you deserve for some of the decisions that have gone well, then there's dysfunction all over the place. So I think it's a breath of fresh air that we're finally rid of that just toxic cloud that's sort of been plaguing the the decision-making room for years. And I think James makes a good point. When, when you allow somebody to do their job, in this instance, it's Mike Shirley, I don't know how much hovering there was going over his shoulder. And yes, you can assume that maybe the Jacob Gonzalez pick was influenced by somebody above him, but I think Mike Shirley's done a great job, but that's also his department. Let these guys in your department do their job. So hopefully that's the next step. And if it is Chris Getz, I think it's fair to allow him the chance to have success. And you look at the examples that he's he's done well, it does have a lot to do with committing to development internally. But look, there's been issues as well. Omar Vizquel was hired on his watch, in the organization on his watch. Wes Helms, same deal. These people who were involved in that disgusting scandal, that was under Chris Getz's watch. So. There's a lot to this, and he's not absolved of the the shortcomings, but Chris Getz hasn't done the job before, and you're hiring from within again. It's another Jerry guy, and I think that's where the apprehension comes in. Yeah, no, it's absolutely more of the same. I mean, internal, right? And I think Bob Nightingale right away said, oh, like Chris Getz, I think he said what, like Chris Getz is one of the top internal candidates, and then that turned into... Chris Getz is getting this job and Dayton Moore is coming with him, right? So there's some disconnect somewhere because he mentioned Tony La Russa as a consultant as well. And the White Sox have told multiple media members that Tony La Russa is not a consultant for the White Sox. Now, look, he's under contract still as the manager. So, and he's Jerry's friend. So look, like I'm sure like, you know, Jerry would pay to fly Tony to, you know, Carolina to watch the affiliates play. Like, is he on White Sox masthead, like as Tony LaRusso, like White Sox consultant? No. But I mean, is he offering Jerry Reinsdorf his opinion on who he should probably hire? Yeah, probably. Which is why I think like Dayton Moore came up in the first place. Like if you're trying to figure out who's talking to Bob Nightingale, like I really don't think it's that hard. Jerry Reinsdorf notoriously doesn't like leaks and I've criticized Jerry Reinsdorf a fair about especially at this show but he really doesn't necessarily love operating the way that this has been operated like he tries to snuff out leaks and that sort of thing like I really didn't think it was him talking to Bob Nightingale this time you know which kind of brings you back to Tony and Dayton Moore you know Dayton Moore hired Mike Matheny and Pedro Grafol was Mike Matheny's bench coach. Like this stuff's just like not that hard to figure out in my opinion, but you know, we'll, we'll see what ultimately happens. I'm glad that you brought up the Omar Vizquel thing and you know, look like I completely understand hiring Omar Vizquel, but then, you know, w- once you kind of get the reports of what was going on down there and then we, you know, we were kind of told like, Oh, Omar Vizquel was fired because he wasn't a team player and he was, you know, like doing stuff that benefited Omar Vizquel instead of benefiting the organization. And, you know, he would like sit lefties against lefties and when you're trying to develop. And that wasn't the reason why he was fired at all. But that's, you know, that's kind of like the way that it was portrayed. And then Wes Helms, who was around for the whole thing, essentially, was like allowed to come back. 
if that's not within Chris Getz's purview, like I don't, I don't really know whose it is. So, you know, should those two things like disqualify him from like ever getting a job? No, definitely not. But it might give you a pause for making him your top baseball executive as a 39 year old with, with not very much experience, but you know, it's just, it's not really the way that Jerry Reinsdorf operates. Like I like if he hires Chris Getz, you know, like Jerry will think Chris Getz is the best candidate. But I mean, you know, that that's flimsy because he doesn't interview anybody else. But I do think, you know, in his mind, this is this is just the way that he's always kind of done things. Right. I mean, it's the same playbook as Kenny. Kenny was farm director. Kenny ended up getting promoted and others left like because of it. I mean, it, it came out today. I forgot who I think it might have been David Haw who said that, you know, Jerry Reinsdorf is talking to Dan Evans like Dan Evans was. GM of the Dodgers, I think from like 01 to 05, he was an assistant GM here. Like he, one of the reasons why he left is because Kenny Williams like got the GM job over him. So, you know, I don't really know what you're talking to Dan Evans about. Maybe just getting advice on what your next move should be. But you know, the the people that have come up and the people that Jerry talks to always have links to the team, even when Mike Rizzo looked realistic for 24 hours. I mean, Mike Rizzo is the guy that scouted and drafted Frank Thomas, right? Like it always comes back to the White Sox. Always. It's always insular. It's always a family hire. And it doesn't really seem like it's going to change because Jerry Reinsdorf is 87 years old. Well, with that being said, you think about the way that the Bears went about their change in the way that they searched for Ryan Poles, who ultimately became, you know, the leader in the front office there. Jerry could do that. He could hire a consultant and have the consultant take care of the search, but he doesn't want to because he doesn't trust those outside the organization without White Sox ties. This has been Jerry Reinsdorf's MO from the get-go. Well, because even like, like if Tony's around, right? And I've said like the Ken Williams thing was also interesting because he was on the record saying that like his current contract was going to be his last one, right? So my guess is Han was up after 2024 and Kenny was as well. And Kenny was going to retire anyway. So this is like an easy, clean sweep to do right now. And then we can disagree with how, how Jerry goes about replacing those guys, right? But, you know, it does seem like the right time. I've said like they need a president of baseball operations and then you let that guy make any decision that he wants, you know, regardless of our feelings on Mike Shirley or some other yeah. people that we like in the org, right? You hire a person, you let them make all the decisions. And I thought that Kenny was a decent candidate to go out and find that person. Go find your replacement because Jerry sure as hell isn't going to, but you know, now it seems like Jerry might be tasked with this and yeah, like he's got Tony and, I think this is the third Walt Jockety mentioned, you know, he ran the Cardinals, but I mean like, yeah, like those are the types of guys that Jerry talks to. So could one of those guys like unearth like some rising star candidate for the White Sox to hire? Like I'm sure they could. It's just not really this owner's playbook and it, and it just hasn't been. Well, that's a lot. We just kind of spit out all our thoughts <laughs> onto this episode of the podcast and, uh, we we do our best to cover the organization as objectively as possible, but this is something that is monumental, a change in the organization's direction and the decision-making process is going to be adjusted by those who, when I say those, multiple people, most likely, we're going to fill the role. And like James said, there's going to be multiple positions that need to be filled. His pitching coordinator job is open. We hope that Andy Barquette sticks around as the hitting coordinator. 
you know, look, these college jobs are attractive. We're seeing guys around Major League Baseball take them all over the league. But boy, all indications suggest they're going insular. And if the insular hires Chris Getz, we're going to follow that like we do every other thing regarding Chicago White Sox and uh, this baseball team. And James, is this the worst season that you could remember as a fan? I don't know, because I'm a remember, like I'm a sports <laughs> masochist, right? I've always kind of said that, like, yeah. like I, like I think we did our our preseason predictions, I think, with uh, with Sox Machine, and I think some people were surprised that, like, I said, like, you know, they asked like for best case, obviously, is like winning the World Series, and worst case, and people were putting like a injury riddled disaster where they win 65 games is the worst case. I'm like, I just disagree like that. I don't think this is the worst case scenario. Now this might be the bottom, like this sucks, right? Like nobody Mm -hmm. wants to watch this, but like, you know, if you're going to be bad, I'd rather win 65 than 75. Like, as I've said, like get me the, the top three pick and reboot this thing rather than, you know, going 78 and 84 and being frustrated all year and still missing the playoffs and not firing anyone. Like this isn't, yeah. this isn't the worst thing in the world, but yeah, I mean the, the baseball's really bad. If that's, not what only... you, if, that, if that's what you meant, yes, the, ba- yeah. the baseball's not, not good. Not only the baseball being bad, but reports of a gun inside the ballpark and somebody getting hit just outside the ballpark and, been stuck in a sunroof, you know? And- yeah, like, I, so I told you this, like, my wife can't even get a freaking purse into that place. Yeah. Uh, what the hell is happening? I don't know, man. <laughs> I really don't know. That's what I'm saying. It's just not only did all this stuff externally happen, but they got rumors of relocation and then possibly adding a retractable roof to the ballpark. I mean, all these rumors. I mean, that would be cool, but... Um, Selling is does I just I don't know. There's so many rumors happening, and then you have the decision-making people relieved of their duties. It's just so much after what we had built on the hope leading into 2020. Just that hope that we were building, the optimism that continued to to flourish, and to see the trajectory happen. Yeah, it couldn't be any worse. So basically, I guess it could, like we were saying, is if they were kind of good, then yeah, it could right, be worse. But yeah, right, right now they're, they're... yeah. So basically, what you're saying is Chris Getz is going to be like in charge officially by Friday. Man, I you know I saw the report that the plan was to have somebody in place by the end of the season. That was by our guy Bob Nightingale, and I just said, yeah, what? So that's the thing, right? Like, I think the way this has been reported has been kind of interesting. Uh-huh. But it's also like a little bit lazy. Like, I guess when I saw that, like, I didn't really even like think about that part. I thought about like the single decision maker part, right? Because like that's the more important part to me. Like, I kind of feel like you have six weeks. Like, you have plenty of time to interview GMs and hire somebody. Like, the Tigers did this last year when they hired Scott Harris, who was a longtime Theo guy, who was the GM of the the uh, Giants under Farhan Zaidi. So then, you know. He's the number two in San Francisco. Detroit goes and hires him, makes him their number one. Like it, like you yeah. can you can interview and hire from other organizations. You just can't go get like a top guy from another org, right? So like that part, like I didn't, I really didn't see that part and think like, oh, they're going internal. Now mm-hmm. others did. And those others, maybe yourself included, like ultimately look like you guys might be right here. But that's like, that's really not the first place that I went because I just kind of thought like you do still have an opportunity to interview kind of like whoever you want. Yeah, that's a great example. And I just felt that what six plus weeks, um, I just thought 
at the time, it was very abrupt to hear Han and Williams gone and we're inching towards September already. I mean, if you're talking about by the end of the season, that's kind of a quick turnaround with Jerry in charge. I didn't expect Jerry to be up and running around Major League Baseball clubhouses and saying, hey, can I have permission to interview these people? I, I was just taken aback to see that it would be done quickly. Now, I know you have to get it ahead of, you know, Rule 5 decision-making processes in December, and the offseason, of course, has all of its trials and tribulations. But, man, it just seemed like by the end of the year, that's a lot. Well, but I guess it's not really, like, that strenuous of a process when you're just going to hire your assistant general manager who's also your scouting yeah. director, right? Yeah. So. Or there not your is. scouting director, your your farm director, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I guess one one last thing here, if if we're just doing this tonight, but I, I'm cynical, right? I don't I don't think that's a huge surprise, but like, look, we've talked about this on the show before in passing that these guys were going to get fired and Chris Getz was yeah. going to take over so that Ken Williams Jr. could run the the farm system. I will say, like Ken Williams Jr. for whatever reason was moved like out of player development this year. And his job with the White Sox was assistant to the vice president, which means like assistant to his father, Ken Williams. Um, so I'm pretty sure he's probably gone too. And and I don't know that that part's like true, but he's definitely not going to be the farm director. So that that's like a big job because I, I just like don't, I don't know. I don't know if I see a scenario at this point, right, where they go outside and completely shock us. Mm-hmm. But then Chris Getz stays as the farm director. Like, I don't think that's realistic either. Could they, you know, all of a sudden hire some assistant or hire a president of baseball ops? And then they say like, oh, Chris Getz is staying and he's the number two as GM. Sure. But then at that point, he's not the farm director. So like for the purposes of what you and I do and our crew here at Future Sox, like I do think we're going to have news regardless because I think there's going to be like a lot of, new faces like in player development i think regardless that's james fox giving us all the details and strong opinions on a team that he's watched his entire life and uh look we were kind of tongue-in-cheek talking about hey yeah get rid of rick Hahn and kenny williams just to get chris gets in there but uh, look there's truth to that and we'll see what comes to fruition over the next couple of weeks because boy we'll be on top of it we'll be following it Every single day, you can subscribe, obviously, to the Future Sox podcast if you haven't already. We really appreciate your support. Thanks so much for being committed listeners to this podcast itself. We've seen so much growth over the last three years. And, man, it's kind of crazy to say that we've been doing this for over three years now. But that is the case, and we do it weekly. We release them on Tuesdays, and we do it because you continue to come back. So we can't thank you enough for your support. So give us Comments if you want, uh, subscribe, like I said, and also you can email us, futuresocks at gmail.com. If you have comments, if you want to react to this episode, or if you have questions about anything that you want us to talk about on the podcast, we will read it and we will answer everything and everything. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Can't say that enough. You guys rock. For James Fox, my name's Mike Rankin. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Future Socks Podcast. Boy, I'd like to say go White Sox, but it's really hard at this moment. We'll talk to you all next week.